0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. We all know about those travel skills that are important to learn that can save us money on the road. Things like travel hacking or maybe how to. Uh, get cheaper accommodations, how to find cheap flights. All of those skills are directly related to traveling, but there are an endless amount of skills, in my opinion, that may not seem directly related to travel, but can certainly impact your ability to travel the world on your terms, which is what I do here. So I'm going to answer a question today. What is the number one skill you should learn or you should dive into and at least get your head around that's not directly related to travel, but that can help you build your life around travel, which is something I know you love because you're here. I will share that in this episode today. And I thought about that question because that's something we discussed in this incredible interview that you're going to hear with my buddy, Dylan. This guy lived in his car. Then he lived on a van. Now he's living on a boat. He had about a thousand bucks when he started traveling full time. And we talk about how he figured it out in real time, his whole journey. And one of the main themes that kind of came out of this for me is just the idea of enjoying the process. You know, there is a process to everything. And that means you're going to have the highs and lows. You're going to have the struggles and the setbacks and the challenges with anything you do, including living out on the road. You know, you might look at some of these uh, Instagram feeds and think that these people are living the dream, and they are in some way, but also there's a story behind everybody's journey, and that's what we share here on the podcast, and that's what you're gonna hear today from my buddy Dylan. We talk about how chance encounters can guide your full-time travel journey, putting yourself in position to develop skills that can translate to other aspects of life. We get into Dylan's thought process on his big decision to change his life and use travel to change up what he called, quote unquote, bad routines and how putting your physical body in different spaces, different cultures, different areas of the world might actually be a way to give yourself space to construct your life, as Dylan said in his words. So just so much going on in this interview. I know you're going to love it and a lot more coming your way in this episode. So we got to get into it. Are you ready, my friend? Are you ready to settle in to another show with me? So honored that you're here. Buckle up, strap in, grab your favorite beverage, relax. Or if you're listening to this while you're exercising, don't relax, work harder and just either way, enjoy yourself. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel Podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based
1: work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams.
0: And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. This is a special introductory piece for you today because it's the very first one I'm recording from my new place here in Oslo, Norway. Actually, we just moved. And I'm now living a little bit further outside of the city, but still along the subway line, which is awesome. Right next to the woods, there's a swimming lake nearby. And I'm up in the loft, what I'm calling the podcast studio, looking out the window at some trees and clouds and so excited to be sharing this time here with you. I'm surrounded by boxes. Moving sucks, doesn't it? (laughs) Moving kind of sucks. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and you go through your stuff and... I really still don't have that much stuff personally, but I have more than I've ever had before, and that's strange. Anyway, going through that and purging it is always a good feeling, and I'm surrounded by uh, boxes, boxes galore, boxes everywhere, uh, just trying to unpack and get settled in and just trying to accept the change. Accepting change is a huge part of life, right? I mean, I think it might be you know, we talk about skills in, in this uh, interview and you're going to hear a lot of different perspectives on skill building and creativity and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I was thinking about, uh, this isn't the answer to the question I posed at the top, by the way. I will be sharing that after the interview portion, that question of what is the number one non-directly related to travel skill that I think everybody should build that can help you travel the world on your terms. I'll share that after the interview. But another skill that I think is important in life, and I, I won't rant too long here because I do want to get to this interview, is just this idea of accepting change, right? i am been thinking a lot about change as we just gave up our old apartment that we spent four and a half years in, and we went and said goodbye to it yesterday. It was my wife and uh, my son and I and you know my daughter's away at the the grandparents right now. But we were standing in there in, in an empty space that we had a lot of memories in. And you know, it's weird to go to a new place to say goodbye. And I was texting with my wife a little bit earlier, and I was just saying, Yeah, I think change is certainly the one constant in life. I, I do believe that one of the biggest secrets in life is to learn how to roll with change and go with it like a wave instead of fighting against it because change is inevitable, right? And I think uh, there has been, or there have been times in my life where I've tried to resist change. You know, sometimes you don't want things to change. You're going through maybe a sweet period of your life and you just kind of want it to keep going. And then you realize maybe you've changed, probably have, and maybe the uh, the thing you're doing no longer matches up with the change that you've had internally, or, you know, the external world's changed, and obviously that impacts the internal world, and it's all this uh, symbiotic relationship, I suppose. But anyway, this idea of kind of floating through change with it instead of fighting against it is something that I'm um, learning, still learning to embrace and to, I guess, uh, really take to heart. That uh, that philosophy of just being in the change. Being in the change and not trying to fight against it. Just be in it. Accept the good, the bad, and the ugly and uh, go along with it. Anyway, let's slip and slide into the interview portion and stick around. Afterwards, I'll be sharing my answer to that question. What is the number one skill you should develop that's non-travel related? at least on the surface. And I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this community and leave you with a really cool quote that kind of uh, really encapsulates some of the stuff we talk about in today's show. So please enjoy the interview portion, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Dylan! how's it going what's up man how are you
1: i'm doing well jason how have things been for you it has been a long time
0: uh yeah it's good to see you man yeah when you emailed i was like whoa blast from the past i remember like hanging out with you in the mountain sun brew pub i think we went to my favorite brew pub in all the land
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely that was a fun time, and then uh, and then there was at one point that I we had a Skype conversation, um, and I was in an airport. I was about to. That was my first time headed to South America.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. It's good to see your face. It's good to feel your energy through Skype, man.
1: I mean, like you said, it's been a a long time, and I mean for me like you were one of the main sources of information that I used in the very beginning to get traveling. And so it's cool. It's kind of like coming full full circle now after full over four years of full time traveling.
0: Wow. Well, thanks. I'm glad that, uh, it was helpful. And now you're doing your part to pay it forward, right? With your, yeah, with definitely. your videos and everything. Well, we can share really quickly. Where are you on YouTube? Cause I've been watching, We'll get into the videos in a minute I mean and that really ties in with what you're doing right now you're on a sailboat right now that that looks like a, a legit pirate cup you just sipped from uh, was that a wooden <laughs> coffee cup and it looks- no it's
1: actually plastic unfortunately but it came with the boat and um, it's got cracks all down the side and I've electrical taped it back together because in, in this handle on it is actually just like a hose clamp that I epoxied to it um, because I have a Problem with throwing things away.
0: (laughs) That's a beautiful looking cup. It seems like it fits right in with where you're at. I see some beautiful wood paneling in the background on the boat. You know, we can get into this because you (laughs) you went from backpacking and really not having much money to buying a boat and sailing. And now you're on the mission. So we'll we're going to get into all that and learn how you did that and how you've been traveling full-time for four years. But yeah, just let everybody know where they can find you on YouTube because you got to you gotta check out uh, some of Dylan's videos. Yeah.
1: So we just started a new channel, which is our second channel. So youtube.com forward slash Dylan McGaster, D-Y-L-A-N-M-A-G-A-S-T-E-R, two, the number two. And that channel is all about kind of sailing and adventure and philosophy and travel and all that kind of stuff. And then the main channel, which um i started like 4 or 5 years ago is florb f l o r b and you can just go to youtube type in florb and that'll pop right up and that's all short documentaries on alternative styles of living people living in tiny houses people living in vans boats tree houses domes earth bags stuff like that. Um, And then if you guys care to, you can follow me on Instagram. But the the main thing is uh, if you want to really see the adventures and travel, check out the second channel, Dylan McGaster. And then if you're interested in alternative living spaces, then check out Florb.
0: Yeah. What does Florb stand for? That must mean something.
1: Yeah. So Florb is a word that I made up. It's a contraction of the two words floating orb. So it's uh, because we live on a floating orb that's circling a giant floating orb of nuclear explosions that keeps us alive Um, and nobody really thinks about it or talks about it and so um, I had been thinking for a very long time like okay what am I going to name this production company this brand that I'm creating Um, and nothing was really coming to coming together Um, and then somehow my brain thought of the word floor I was like that's it it's one syllable it's not a real word it's funny sounding it's fun to say Um, and then it's got some like meaning behind it as well. And so, yeah, it's like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm American, I'm from America and I definitely have like American culture built into my DNA, but I look at myself as like a citizen of earth. If we go like the real hippie route and, um, it's just like, we're all living on this floating orb together and trying to figure things out. And so that's kind of the background behind the word floor.
0: Yeah, we are trying to figure things out aren't we? When we met, I'm just gonna flash back a little bit. I'm, I'm going back in time in my head and, and thinking about us at the restaurant in Colorado. You were on your van trip. I don't remember how long you were into it. Like you had you we had you finished college and then I was in the
1: van when we met in Colorado, right? I was not. I, in you might have been home. car.
0: You might have been car camping.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think we met when I was in a, a Prius. Uh, yeah. Before I yeah. started traveling full time. I had bought a Prius um, because it gets really good gas mileage. And so I started doing.
0: Oh, not because it's super fast. Like, not because yeah. you want to drag race everybody. You didn't buy it for that yeah, I was reason? I really
1: trying to impress the ladies with my Prius. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I, I bought the Prius and I was doing road trips like every month. And um, yeah, I went to Colorado and we met up because at the time I was listening to your podcast a lot, this one, Zero to Travel. And then. Um, I was listening to, or I was reading the blog, Mr. Money Mustache a lot, trying to figure out how to, how can I allocate more money to travel and save money and what kind of, yeah. like all these different tips and Brushing up and, on
0: personal finance, basically. Yeah, yeah Not, not a bad subject to study when you want to travel full-time yeah, and long-term, and right? Yeah, and
1: then, and then also travel hacking, using credit cards to get all the miles and whatnot. And that's actually how I got my first plane ticket to South America, was via points. Um, but yeah, so I was traveling in the Prius for about a year on and off. And I, I went to Colorado, I did a trip to New Mexico, uh, did a trip to New York City. Um, and then at one point, I did a six week road trip. Uh, and I think I, I think we met up during the six week road trip where I went through Colorado and then down through Moab to LA and then all the way up to Seattle and then back to Kansas City where I'm from, which is like an insane amount of travel to do by yourself in six weeks. But I was like, completely new to it i was like yeah it seems like a reasonable amount and it's like i just spent like 60 hours driving or something um but it was fun and it was a good intro into uh travel and road tripping and then at that time while i was doing that i did stay um with friends when i could but i one of the other reasons i picked the prius besides the gas mileage was that i could lay down the back seats and stick a sleeping pad in there and then camp in the prius without um Without having to set up a tent, I had a hard shell tent, Um, and so that's why I had a Prius. But yeah, that's when we met up. Uh, I just messaged you, and then we we met up in yeah. What was the name of the cafe or the pub?
0: The Mountain Sun.
1: Yeah. Shout out to the Mountain
0: Mountain Sun. Always shout out to the Mountain Sun. I I wonder why hashtag Prius life isn't like more popular, right? Like you'd think with all the road tripping around, just get the most gas mileage. That you yes, can. I right? don't
1: understand why more people are not living in Priuses. I mean, it's it's the future, man. <laughs>
0: I mean, it might be the the headspace. I don't know. I came on to your, uh f- I guess, the Florb ch- channel, and the video you have up there is how I went from van dwelling to living in a sailboat. Which is, I love the pacing of your videos and like how you tell the stories and the way it's cut together. It's hilarious. And at Thank one you. point. I just remember first watching it. And then, you, you know, at one point you like dive into the water with all your clothes on and stuff. It's just like really funny. And I was just thinking, is this the same guy that I met? Kind of? Because I know it is. But when we met, and don't take this the wrong way, but you just, it was like the beginning of your travels, I think. And you, you know, you were younger and, and you were just seemed a little more like sort of sh- maybe a little bit shy, maybe a little bit kind of. Yeah. Like we all are when we're starting uh, to travel and kind of figuring things out. And, you know, at that point, I don't think you had, you were making videos and and I think you knew you wanted to get into that, but you weren't quite sure kind of managing that process. I don't know. Like that was just like uh, an impression I got. And then I watched your video. I'm like, well, like this, like travel has really kind of brought the person that was within out in some way. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah,
1: I mean, when we met, we met five years ago which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but for me, uh, when we met, I was 20. And so now I'm 25. And I mean, I think for a lot of people the you know, between 15 and 30, the amount of like personal development and change is way more significant than the rest of life. I think, I don't know. I haven't done the rest of life. So we'll see what happens, but, um, it's, it, there's there's definitely like a large shift that happens because you're breaking especially if you start traveling because then you're breaking out of um, all the routine that you grew up with the culture that you were born into and raised with and then start exploring different aspects of life and different perspectives and so yeah I mean I look back at some of those old videos and it's I mean <laughs> I think anybody that looks back at their old videos they, they cringe but um, it's like yeah when we met i was a meathead i was like powerlifting and i was jacked and um that's like all i did was i lifted weights and then i started road tripping um and besides that i've really had no life experience i mean i had a de- like i grew up in um in school and all that kind of stuff and i did culinary programs and i um did like construction with my father and all like mission trips and all that kind of stuff but i think about like where I was then versus where I am now in life experience and there's like pretty much none um and not that I'm like the most experienced person on the planet or anything by now but uh it it is very fascinating to look back at the the progression within 5 years um because it is it is significant it is major
0: yeah i mean it's important too to kind of point out I mean, if you watch Dylan. Dylan's videos and you're inspired, you're somebody that wants to create, whether it's videos or podcasts or whatever, you can go watch, maybe you can watch his first videos. I don't know if you can find them or, or watch, you know, listen to my first podcast or whatever. You can always remember that everybody's start. Are, maybe some people are listening right now. Like, listen to this podcast, dude. Come on. Like, yeah. get it together, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and the
1: thing is, like, when you start, um, I I mean, it's the same for everybody. Like, um, anytime you start anything, you suck at it. And so even if that's travel, it's like, you're going to be bad at traveling whenever you start at it. And you can like, you know, do all the tricks to make it better, but you're not gonna, you know, just skill that you can acquire the more that you do it. And so the same thing happens with making videos, making podcasts. It's like, I'm sure if you were to listen to your first podcast, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I say so many ums and uhs and, you know, just all the different things. I still do.
0: I just have a good editor. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I remember being... I think I was 24 when I bought my first guitar. I was on on working on one of these event tours that I used to work on and I remember walking in like wanting like I wanted to play music. I wanted to learn the guitar, but I felt like such a fake. Like just walking in like I'm like how am I even going to try a guitar? I don't even know how to try it to to say which one's good and like I needed to give myself permission to like buy an instrument so I could learn how to play it cuz I knew I was going to suck. It was like you know looking back it's like I, I mean, I don't know if anybody can relate to those feelings and whatever version of that, if you've had that in your life. But like, man, everybody's entitled to like start something and who cares if you suck in the beginning, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point. That's how it goes.
0: Right. But there can be some shame around that and it can actually prevent people from actually starting, I think. So it is important to kind of remember.
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially if, uh, well, I mean, it comes down to like, pride and being able to humble yourself type of thing of like, okay, I'm starting something new. So there's no reason that I should be amazing at it. Um, And one of the things that really helped when I first started creating videos is I came across this um, video titled something like, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was beginning or something like that. And it's a typography video. So it's all animated and it's just words on a screen and music. There's no words, but the concept that it explains is like in the beginning you are not going to be good your skills are not going to be good but you'll hopefully you'll have good taste you'll know what is good and what is not good but you will not be able to create to satisfy your taste and so you'll always be like disappointing yourself
0: is this the eye glass thing he has this concept called the gap it's like the gap between what you want to create in your head or what you hear in your head and what you actually make
1: Yeah, same concept. Um, This one, I saw it. It was titled something like, I wish somebody would have told me this when it started. Um, But it's the exact same concept. Many people have, have thought about this and articulated it. But yeah, it's like you... You have good taste, you know what is good, but then your actual skills are not there yet. And the reason they're not there yet is because you just haven't put in the hours. Um, And so the only way you get to where your skills can match your taste is by putting in lots of hours, putting in repetitions. Um, And then, I mean, that's what you've done with the podcast. That's what I've done with videos. I mean, I've created and edited over 300 videos now. Now I can edit and tell a story in a way that I just literally could not do in the beginning because I didn't have all those hours of editing behind me. Um, and, but that's just how it goes. So anytime you're starting out, you have to like recognize, yeah, this is the process. It's the process. And so there's no reason for me to want to be at the end of the road right now because, That's not the process. You don't start at the end of the road. You start at the beginning and then you go through it. And the more skills you acquire and the more you practice things and the more things you get better at, you realize, oh, it's the same process for everything. And then when you start a new thing, you can actually enjoy that process opposed to just seeing somebody that's way, way down the road and being like, ah, why am I not there? It's like, well, because that's how it goes. You know, it's no, it's no problem to not be good at something. You just work at it.
0: This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway. and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. The process is the process, so you might as well enjoy it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then trust the process to work out.
0: Right. I mean, and not just even the core skills, but there are other things I'm sure. We'll take the video example. I mean, you you're probably got better at just the system of like, all right, well, what I know now much better, what shots I need for this and I can cut time or like how I'm going to organize my files or, you know, all this other stuff that takes time to learn too. not, not even just the shooting and the editing. There's all the, the process stuff. So,
1: yeah, that's something I mean, yeah, it's something as simple as organizing files. Like now I've got a whole system of like file management and how to do it. And I've got stacks of hard drives literally right next to me right now. Um, but in the beginning, I did not know how to organize all that. So all my projects were just this bundle of chaos that I had to create out of, which is fun in its own right. But whenever you develop a system, you can become so much more efficient because you actually know what you're doing. But yeah, there's there's so many things, whether it's uh, filmmaking, podcasting, sailing, or anything like that, you think, oh, the skill is setting the sails. It's like, no, that's, that's like one tiny aspect of The skill of sailing, like the whole concept of sailing or editing a video or making a video is so broad. And there's so many things that it encompasses that you would never even like think of whenever you first start. And then you have to to develop all those like micro skills almost.
0: Yeah, for sure. And those skills you can carry with you in so many other creative pursuits or non-creative pursuits, really, if you want to say that. Although I kind of think everything's a creative pursuit in some way, right? Like, you can, even, degree, like you can even yeah. get creative with like an Excel spreadsheet, you know? I mean, you could get For creative sure. with anything. Uh, you know, I just had a thought about travel that was kind of funny. Isn't travel just enjoying the process of getting from one destination to the other?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it used to be one of my least favorite questions. People were like, what's your destination? It's like, I don't know, the grave... Because like I, I don't have any place I'm going right now until I, you know, I'm going to get to this place and then I have a next place. So it's like, at what duration of time do you want to talk about destinations? Because it is all just part of the process. And it's like, we're all in this journey that we refer to as life. And it's like, yeah, traveling, I mean, all it really is, is just moving the person from one location to another and then experiencing what happens in between help, and, hope and an, an adventure comes out of it, which normally it does.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned kind of so much change going on personally for you between the ages of 20 and when you started traveling in 25. Let's start with the kind of like the values you grew up with and, and growing up in the Midwest and uh, what it was like for you growing up. And what of those types of things did travel break wide open and, and, or, or allow you to see differently?
1: I grew up in Kansas City, in Olathe, Kansas. Great barbecue. And, yeah, great barbecue. Fantastic. One of the best things about the place. That's awesome. um, according to BuzzFeed, the best barbecue in the nation. <laughs> uh, we
0: all know BuzzFeed's the, the authority on <laughs> <in> barbecue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. They're authority on everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I grew up in, in the Midwest and I grew up in the church, Baptist church, raised in that. And I was like really into that. Well, I dropped out of culinary school after high school, I did like a semester in culinary school and then dropped out of that. But before that I was planning on becoming a pastor. And so I was like really into, um, studying the Bible and the church. And then the questioning of that whole belief structure kind of happened. Like as I started traveling, maybe just before I started traveling, but then while I was traveling, um, all of those, the the dogma and everything that that the fundamentalism that I had as a belief structure ended up dissolving because um, when you start traveling, there's a lot of things you realize. One is that um, all the systems that we have in place are just built by people, which is crazy whenever you think about it, because you think of like, Oh, this is a policeman. He's official. He's got authority and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well that's just a person in a costume with a gun.
0: Yeah. It's all, it's all made up. Yeah,
1: he yeah we, we could have made this whole
0: thing up a different way if we wanted to
1: yeah yeah but there's no reason that person is really any different than i am and so then the whole question of like people telling each other what they should and shouldn't do via laws gets really like mysterious and like questionable of like well why is it that this person gets to tell me what to do and not and you know like why is it they have authority over me um but then you also realize that at least i realized that seeing these different cultures and like everybody has their own belief system and structure that they look at the world through. And it, and it's like, for me, it's like, well, it's pretty damn lucky that I was born into the one that results in going to heaven. Like in, in all these other people, they have their structure that they believe, you know, fundamentally the exact same thing that I believe just with different words. uh, And that theirs results in them going to heaven and everybody else not or whatever. Um, and so just that whole concept of like, oh no, the only reason I actually believe this kind of stuff is because I was raised with it, not necessarily because I've come to my own conclusion about it. And then whenever I started to think about it and like ask a lot of really intense, deep questions it ended up kind of dissolving. And then I had to reconstruct the whole belief system, which is really difficult. But yeah, that was one of the things. And then one of the things, another thing that, um, travel really flat out showed me within the first week, whenever I went to South America was, um, cause I was traveling by myself and I was like, Oh, I, I actually have to be like completely responsible for myself now, because if I don't plan my day, I don't actually do anything. Like I will sit in this hotel or this hostel and not do anything if I don't plan it. Um, unless somebody else comes around with a plan, but, um, When I first started, I was in a place by myself. There was nobody else actually in the hostel. And so uh, that was a real push into like independence and self-responsibility of like, okay, yeah, I have to plan where am I going next? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to eat? Like everything that you have to do to be an adult um, was just shoved on to me immediately. And I, and I didn't really realize how much um, is just taking care of for you whenever you're living with your parents or whatever, just like within a society, within a culture that you're used to, there's so much stuff that's already in place. Like if you've got a job, if you've got Um, a job that you go to, it's like, okay, what am I doing today? Well, I'm getting up and I'm going to this job and then I'm going to eat lunch and then I'm going to come home and then I'm going to go to the gym or whatever. And so that whole routine is like set up and then you don't have to actually think about what you're doing. But when you're out on your own and you're in a new environment in a place that you want to explore, it's like, okay, wow. There's actually a lot of stuff I have to figure out.
0: With your, your faith, or I'm not sure what your beliefs are now, but that seems like a pretty big deal to kind of drop, like if you were serious about it to the point where you were going to become a pastor and and then, you know, you've kind of gone completely the other way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if that's fair to say, but...
1: It's not unfair to say.
0: <laughs> I, I'm assuming your parents were religious because you said you were raised this way. How do they, they feel about everything right yeah, now? Yeah, so
1: and, me leaving the faith or whatever happened... I don't know. Now, like five years ago, almost, and so uh, it's like around when me we met. Now type my, of thing, or yeah, yes, yeah, it, that's probably when it like kind of started. Um, and so it's like I don't want to like come across as somebody like trumpeting leave religion or anything like that because that's not my like call to free people from their. No, we're just you're just belief. sharing your personal like, experience.
0: But, you know exactly. That's...
1: But it was like a real significant change in my life was that when I was in high school. I watched the church that I was in dissolve basically um, within six, we had five pastors at the church. We had like a, a, a senior pastor who did the preaching. Then we had like a worship patch pastor who played the music, a prayer pastor, a missions pastor, and um, a youth pastor. And within six months, we lost four of those for different reasons. One, one had to go take care of his parents in Florida. One had another job opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And so um, in that time, when the youth pastor left, um, the whole youth group was really dwindling. And there was, I don't know, maybe like five of us that were still kind of like showing up. And so I took it on myself to like start preparing the lessons and whatnot. And so I would like wake up in the morning. At, I, I think at one point I was waking up at like 4.30 in the morning, which is ridiculous. And I would study the Bible and then figure out some sort of um, lesson for Wednesday. And then I would go to school and do band and do drumline. And that started at 6am. We would start drumline practice. And then uh, I would go to school and then I would go to the gym after school. And so, you yeah, know, when I said like, I was really into it, I was, I was not messing around. It's happened to me with a few different things in my life. When I like get into something, I just get sucked in. Um, and so, yeah, then the whole, uh, dissolution of that belief system was, um, relatively traumatic for me, honestly. I mean, um, I remember having a, an epiphany one day of like, oh my God, I'm not a Christian. Like, what does that even mean?
0: Because growing up, this is what your identity is tied to. Yeah.
1: It's like, they literally teach you find your identity in Jesus. And it's like, oh, well, if if I'm not in that now, it's like, I have no identity. What do I do? Um, and so that was really, um, complicated and scary. But, um, my family, like they all seem like pretty okay with how I live my lifestyle. Um, some of them are less approving than others, but that's fine. Like, I mean, I've come to terms with a long time ago that, uh, it's not really important to me what other people think about how I live my life. I, you know, you, if you base your, your decisions on what other people think about you, then you're not actually living your own life. You're letting them control your life. Um, and if you, I mean, to me, if if I've learned anything from the Bible, it's that like the people, the main people in the Bible that really like are key people, they didn't let other people control their decisions. Um, they they like lived their own life and they were an actual individual. And so, um, yeah, that was something really important that I learned a long time ago. Is and I mean, it's it's hard sometimes because everybody has feelings and whatnot and nobody wants to be disapproved of. But, you know, you develop a thick skin and, you know, let people do what they do. And in my experience, if you just like express what you're experiencing and how you think about things and like m- make it very clear, it's like, this is just my experience. Like your experience is different than mine. Um, people in general, even if they are pretty evangelical or dogmatic in whatever belief system Christianity or not uh, they tend to be pretty receptive to it because um, like and this is actually how I view my beliefs and how I look at the world is like I don't actually know this is just what I've come up with so far and this is what works for me so far but I'm not saying this is a hundred percent I just know These things that I believe and whatnot, I've thought about really long and hard, and I'm open to them changing, but it has to be a good reason. And so I'll argue it because I've actually thought about it for a long time, but I am actually open to adjusting my beliefs and everything like that. And I feel like when you take that approach and you're talking to somebody, people are actually really receptive to that. Um, And so I tend to not have a whole lot of issues with my family on that front um, because I'm not necessarily trying to convert them and they're not necessarily trying to convert me. Um, and we all love each other. And so yeah, we want what's best for each other.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's good practical advice too, to say, Hey, this is just my experience and, you know, being clear with how you express yourself. It's one fine cup. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's a good one. It's uh this mug. I, I I only drink coffee out of it. It's my and I and I uh, treat it like the old uh, navy sailors do. And I pretty much never wash it. If I ever wash it, I wash it just with a quick rinse of uh, water and never soap. And so it's a nice seasoned yeah. coffee mug. Sorry, yeah, again, I didn't I'm mean to bring the important. cup up again. I want to
0: get off track, but uh, it's a nice cup <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> um,
1: something I learned a long time ago is. You, can't, you cannot change people um, in any direction. Like you can present your thoughts and you can present an argument and you can present your logic, but in all reality, you cannot control people and you cannot change people. And so to some degree, it's not necessarily even worth trying. You can lay out, you know, if you think somebody's doing something that is dangerous or harmful to themselves, it's like lay out the proposition that you've got and your reasons. And then it's like, everybody's responsible for themselves. So they have to make their own decisions in the long run. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how I approach it. And I've, I personally found it to be pretty good. That being said, sometimes I do fall into the old rhythm of like being fundamental and being rigid and like, arguing a point being like, no, 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 you gotta believe it. And then it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, there's, there's no reason anybody has to believe what I believe or what you believe or whatever. It's like, people are different.
0: Yeah. It's a good, good general rule in life, right? To take you outside of yourself and see like, all right, what am I, what is my behavior here? Am I like, there's a saying that's if, if you got to choose between being right and being kind, just be kind.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with that. Um, You, yeah, winning an argument is not necessarily the best strategy sometimes.
0: No, especially with your spouse. I can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see that. (laughs) There was a a little part in the video that I addressed and we're going to get into how you got the boat and I hope you got some time because I got a lot of questions, but you did mention entering a, a sort of depressed state and perhaps becoming a little suicidal. I have a sense that that was maybe related to maybe some of the stuff you talked about with, with your faith and your belief system. I I don't know, but
1: I personally think that um, at some point in everybody's life, they're going to, the question is going to at least pop into their head of, Hey, maybe I should just kill myself. And, and then they're just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I think that's perfectly natural. I think that that's a, a really different thing than like planning out, how you're going to do it. And then making a plan and like, you know, actually executing it is obviously significantly different than just a thought popping into your head of like, you know, maybe I should just end it all because I, I really think that's perfectly natural, especially in the culture and society that we live in. That does not uh, promote generally speaking, good mental health. I made a decision a long time ago that it's like, for me, suicide is just not an option. I'm not going to do it. And so now anytime those thoughts pop into my head, it's like, oh, okay, I just need to, something's going wrong in my life. And I need to like rethink things out because I'm like starting to head down that path. I know I'm never going to do it, but it's just like a flag for me now. Um, and so, you know, I think in general, there's a lot of stigma around suicide and mental health and whatnot. But to me, it's obvi- it's quite obvious. We have something wrong with the structure of society that people live in, specifically in the West, in america because suicide rates are going up and it's like it's like why is that happening why are people just opting out of life well, to me it's obvious that the structure that people are placed into is not conducive to positive mental health to positive well-being and so yeah i mean w- what happened was like a lot of things happened in my life within like a couple of years of like the dissolution of the church that I was in, that I grew up in, and then my uh, my parents got divorced, and then um, I was going to go to uh, culinary school, and then I realized like, oh, I don't actually like working in a professional kitchen, um, and and it's like, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life, uh, all these like different things, and then I start questioning, you know, the fundamentals of my belief structure, um, and it's like all of those things are a nice little cocktail for depression if you're not. Um. careful. I Like I said, I've never planned out to kill myself or anything like that. It's just the thoughts have popped into my yeah. head. And it was,
0: it, we're going in a dark direction. Yeah, definitely.
1: Clearly. And I've always, I mean, luckily enough, been to some degree aware enough to like look down the path of whatever i'm on and be like okay if i were like doing this for a year what would happen and the way i was living my life at that moment it was like i was um living at my dad's house i would wake up i would go do um carpentry work do remodeling and then i would go home and i would drink and watch stand-up comedy and it was like okay this is it's not terrible routine, but it's not one that a 20 year old should get into and do for 10 years. It's like, for me personally, if I did that for 10 years, there'd be no more me. It just wouldn't work out. It's like, that's not fulfilling for me. And so I saw that and it was like, okay, I'm in a bad routine right now. So I need to change it up. And so the way I changed it up is why I just completely removed myself from that situation and put myself in South America. And, uh, and then yeah definitely changed it up and it didn't solve my problems by any means but it 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 was like jolting enough that um it allowed me to begin the process of like constructing my life basically and then when i flew to south america i had committed to myself i was like okay um uh, I'm never moving back in with my parents. That's just like what I told myself. Like, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, I'm not moving back in. And then um, I I did the three months in South America and then went back to America, to New York City. And then um, about three months after that, so six months into traveling, I bought the van. After about a month or two months in the van, I drove it back to Kansas City. And then I spent um, one month, converting the van at my my dad's house so I did stay there for a month but I did I didn't ever consider it moving back in because it was just like I'm here to build this van and then I'm leaving and as soon as I got the van converted I left. It was literally like one month yeah you know with depression and um, suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff it's like people deal with negative emotion in different ways and i I really think it's natural for people at some point in their life. Cause everybody goes through hard times and everybody goes through tar- dark times to have a thought like that pop into their head. Um, but most people are just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But a lot
0: of crazy thoughts pop in and out all the time, right? Like it's, it's just like, you have to understand that they're just, they're not you.
1: Yeah. My, my brain jolts in really dumb phrases. Sometimes I'm <laughs> just like, where did that even come from? That is so outrageous. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and so, like, that. I mean, that's one another like tactic I've taken from it is like, because um, things just pop into your head, and you're like, if you think that's you, it's like, no, no, that's just, can't, it's like, where did that even come from? I don't know. And so, um, you kind of just have to like, okay, listen, brain settle down <laughs> you're right, getting a little rowdy right right,
0: right. <laughs> no i'm not going to go murder that person because they cut in front of yeah. me and yeah you know <laughs> right right
1: yeah you can't just bash through that window to cut this line <laughs>
0: <laughs> as much yeah. fun as it would be to smash through that window uh
1: <laughs> yeah it's like it's really like talking a toddler down sometimes i like listen okay come on man
0: there's a book called the untethered soul. I don't know if you've ever read it. I really recommend it. Um, but it it just talks about the, the chatter of the mind. And I think when I figured that out earlier on, not that I can do that all the time when I figured out, Oh, that's not like who I am. Like whatever my mind does, isn't who I am. I'm actually something else beyond that in a way, consciousness or whatever. It's been so helpful to step out of that sometimes, you know, when the chemicals are going off and you're like, all right, hold on. like,
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it frees you up, definitely. Yeah,
0: for sure. You mentioned in the video that, I think it was January 2017, that it was like the first time you made more money than you spent. I wanted to talk about traveling long-term or committing to traveling in the way you've been for the last, what, four years, you said, or five years?
1: Yeah, coming up on four and a half years now.
0: And starting with... Not a lot. It sounds like you were in debt at various times quite a bit. Yeah, I
1: did. Go, I've been in debt before, yeah.
0: How have you managed to keep it going? I mean that like logistically, but uh, I more mean it like, how do you mentally sort of keep speaking of faith, like kind of having the faith that, okay, there's going to be a next thing. You're going to kind of figure this out eventually. It, it could be pretty easy to kind of give up and just go back and get like a regular job i'm sure because it's the struggle is real man <laughs> yeah the struggle is
1: real um even the first world struggle but it's, it's real yeah. um and yeah so when i
0: yeah this um, is in all within the context of the, uh, the first world struggle right? yeah we know definitely
1: it. I, yeah people are Dude, people have hard lives. That assumption goes
0: across <laughs> this entire podcast feed. I have to For bring that sure. up every once in a while. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, we like, already have one okay
1: and... <laughs> you know, like, Listen, I get it. I get it. But, you know, it's all relative to some degree. But anyway, yeah. So when when I started traveling full time in January, I, I, my plane flight to South America was January 18th, um, I left with like about a thousand bucks in my bank account in um, the reason I didn't have more is because uh, two months before that, I just moved back in with my father um, because I'd lived in New York city for three months and basically spent all of my money living in New York city, trying to do the whole YouTube thing, which was a ridiculous idea. But so I lived in New York city for three months, basically was flat broke, moved back to Kansas city, started working for my uh, dad, doing home remodeling stuff. Um, And then yeah, saw like, okay, I'm not in a good routine. This is not working out for me. This is not what I want to do with my life. I'm not feeling particularly great in this situation. I need to just get out. And so uh, I had already been planning to do long-term travel. And so I had been working with credit cards and um, getting miles and points and whatnot from the years before. You know, whenever I bought my first camera, I got a credit card, put it on a credit card, waited a month, paid the whole thing off. Flat out, so you got all the points, no debt, you know, did it all smart. So my my flight from Olathe, Kansas to Asuncion, Paraguay, ended up being seventeen dollars. Ended up being seventeen dollars, yeah. So which I was I was really happy about because I only had a thousand bucks, and so I started um, doing budget traveling. I did a lot of couch surfing. Um, and just was living as cheap as possible while working the whole time. So this is something um for me since I've been traveling full time, I've always worked. I've never actually just traveled and not worked. Um which I think is different for a lot of people. A lot of people save up money and then go travel for 3 months and they have that.
0: Yeah, is that because you like to work and want to work and it gives you a sense of purpose or is it because is it out of necessity?
1: Both. Yeah, I mean I definitely like to work. Um, but uh, I was also broke. <laughs> and so I needed to figure out, it was like, I've got a thousand bucks. I need to figure out how to make another thousand bucks here. Pretty well, you had so
0: 983, right? Because yeah. I spent the 17 on the phone. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, and so I had all sorts of different plans. I had been working on the channel for a while. I was like, okay, I'm going to be making these travel videos and that's going to pop off and then I'll be able to make it and keep going. Um, and then I, I was also going to do a podcast as well and then I like recorded two episodes and I was like okay doing this plus traveling plus filmmaking and like it's like I just can't do all that so the podcast was the first to go yeah so I was making the videos um and so I mean this is just how I did it I do not recommend doing it like this but I once I ran out of that thousand dollars I basically just started putting everything on credit and um and the reason I did that was because um, for some crazy reason, I knew that I was going to figure out how to make money while traveling. and I was going to make it work. And so
0: you believed in yourself.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I did have some fundamental belief that I was, it was a, a belief in myself, but also um, a commitment to myself that I was going to make it work because um, like with that leaving um, and being like, okay, i am never moving back in with my parents. It's like, you know, boats burnt. And I took that seriously. Like I know that that's, you know, it's not like they told me that. Like I could, they would always let me back in if I needed help. But to make a commitment to yourself like that, and then actually take it seriously of like, no, this is real. I'm actually never doing this again. It it puts fuel behind you because you're like, I got to figure this out. Like this stuff is real now, um, and so. Like, I was couch surfing in the beginning, so that cut my cost down a ton in South America. And then I started um, shooting photos for hostels and trade for stay, and so that cut my cost down as well. And then um, I was in Chile and I shot photos and drone footage of this hostel, and so I was actually able to stay there for about a month. And I met this guy named Alex who was living and traveling in a van. He had uh, converted it, drove from Albuquerque, New Mexico, all the way down to Tierra de Fuego and was on his way back North. And so in Chile, um, and he's like in his forties. And so he was like, loves mountain climbing and skiing and all this kind of stuff. I was like, I like climbing mountains. Um, and so I hopped in his van and we drove into Argentina and climbed a volcano. And then we drove back to Chile and then we picked up another guy and we went and climbed a mountain. And then I hitchhiked back to Chile. And then, um, Flew to New York City, well, went up to Peru, flew to New York City, was like flat broke again after paying for a month's rent. And then um, went up to Massachusetts and worked on a fishing boat. And in six days I made, and I just went up to this fishing boat for the experience. To like, I was like, oh, this will be cool to make videos about. I've never done this before. I didn't actually think I was going to get paid because um, the people I was fishing with I'd I'd met in South America. And so they were just like, hey, if you ever want to come up, feel free to come up. Um and so in six days I made eighteen hundred bucks and I was like, wow, that's that's dope. That's really yeah. great. So one of those so, like you're up
0: twenty twenty hours a day type of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean we yeah. lived on I lived on the fishing boat for six days. It's hard work, but that type of work was um different than anything I've ever done. It's like um we were d- drag netting for squid and so it's like you set the nets, you do like twenty minutes of work to set the nets, and then you would go sleep for like an hour, two hours while we just drug the nets and the captain, you know, steered the ship. And then you'd wake up and you'd do anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour and a half worth of work of bringing the nets, sort the fish, freeze the squid, uh, clean up the deck, put the nets, all that kind of stuff. And then you drag the net again for two hours. And so whatever time you had in between, you're just sleeping. So it was just like this rotation. Um, and then at night we would end up in important sleep. But yeah, for basically six days, I didn't get off the boat except for um, like, we went to a couple of restaurants. Yeah, so so then I was um, staying in New Hampshire at uh, at the their house, I was living at the house of um, Kelsey and Captain Mike. Um, and from there, I went up into Maine and bought my van. Um, and then that's when I started filming these alternative living spaces, tiny houses and tree houses and fans and everything like that. Um, and so that eighteen hundred bucks, I ended up actually borrowing, I think like a thousand bucks from my mom. Um, just so that when I bought the van, I wouldn't be flat broke. I at least had enough because my whole thing was like, Okay, I'm putting money on credit cards. I understand the APR and all that kind of stuff. It's a ridiculous interest rate. I understand all that. But for me, credit has been very helpful. Um, and so it was like, oh yeah, I just need to keep enough cash to pay the minimum, um, payments on these credit cards. So at least I don't wreck my credit. I'm okay with accruing the debt, um, because that's a risk that I'm willing to take, but I I don't want to destroy my credit. So I at least need to keep enough cash in my account to pay this monthly fee. So then paid cash for the van. And then, um, converted it and that cost like three grand, put all of that on credit as well. And so um, yeah, mentally how I was doing this, is was like, there's lots of ups and downs um, in New York city. Before I went to work on the fishing boat, that was like a real low point. Cause I'd, went, I'd flown back to New York city thinking there was like work opportunities. And then um, all of that fell through after I had paid a month's worth of rent. And I was like, oh man, I now I'm in a, I could have been in Peru right now. Like originally I was planning on being in South South America for like two years. So that was like a super low point. Um, but it was just being aware enough and honest enough with myself to be like, okay, you're not going to quit. You're going to figure this out because I'd quit things in my past with um, music and different things, uh, wrestling and um, culinary. And, and it's like, I'm not going to quit this one. I'm going to make this work. Um, and so then it the was video just being thing. really – yeah, yeah. yeah, figuring out how to make money on YouTube. And so it was like, okay, the, this type of videos that I'm making is not working. So I need to figure out something else, some other way to uh, make videos. And so when I bought the van, it was like, I'm not done traveling for some reason, but I'm done living out of a backpack. And so the van is the next option. And then that's also when I started making the
0: Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee? Sign up over there at com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Did you get turned on to the van because of uh, your time in it with Alex? That kind of gets you stoked on?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like Looking back on it, I'm not actually sure what my... I, I think Alex was like my first introduction to van life. I don't remember anything before that, but I didn't move into a van because I wanted to move into a van. I moved into a van because I wanted to keep traveling and I didn't want to live out of a backpack anymore. And that was the cheapest way I could do it because it's like, okay, now I only have to pay for gas and then I can actually live in this thing. Um, and so it's, it's a super cheap way to travel. If you can, in uh, with a, I mean, five grand, down payment basically of the van and the build uh it's like that's that's all pretty reasonable it's not too crazy expensive um and then all the money you save while traveling
0: then you had your time on the fishing boat did that get you interested in sailing and having a boat
1: the whole fishing thing was just like out of the blue like that was just like oh i'm in new new york i don't want to be here i have nothing to do here Somebody invited me you know, Kelsey invited me to come up and go fishing. Yeah, let's do it. Why not (laughs) hop on a Greyhound and go up to Hyannis? That'll be fun. Um, at least it'll be better than living in bedside Brooklyn. Um, in a house, in a, (laughs) I was in a three bedroom apartment that they were like Airbnb out. So it had a bunch of bunk beds in it. So at one point we had 12 people in this three bedroom apartment. Um, it was crazy. It was basically a hostel, um, and so, yeah, no, the, the sailing, it was basically same progression into the van. It was like, okay, you know, I couldn't stand up in my van. And so I was like, I think I'm kind of getting tired of living in a van. You know, I, I would like a bit more space, but I'm not done traveling. I don't know why, but I'm not. And so it's like, well, what can I do? And I met this guy named Eddie. He was actually the first guy that I really met he built his own sailboat. He, it took him 10 years to build his own sailboat and it's epic. It's like, it's like a mini pirate ship. It's um, if you go to YouTube and type in uh, Eddie, the pterodactyl, it should come up. And I made a video about him. But I don't think I can
0: spell pterodactyl, but I'll try. Yeah. P <laughs> P something.
1: Um, <laughs> and, and so he had a sailboat and his son had a sailboat and I was like, wow, are pretty cool. And so I was like, okay, a boat, would allow me to continue traveling it's different than a van so there's that fun aspect of it and then it's also straight up like an apartment it's you know depending on the size of boat you get you can end up having like a whole house on the water that you can move around um and so i was like yeah i guess i'll do that and i had no experience sailing and so i went down to mexico got scuba certified because i was like well if i'm gonna be sailing i'm gonna scuba dive um, and I was like, Mexico seems like a fun place to do it. Should be a bit cheaper and it would be an adventure to go down there. And, um, and then flew to Florida and did a five day sailing course and then moved to the Mediterranean and bought my boat and moved onto it with basically six or seven days worth of experience.
0: How much was your boat?
1: Oh, I got it super cheap. I bought this boat for 10 grand.
0: Wow. Okay. How big is it?
1: It's 38 foot. Um, it's a 38 foot, it's a 1979, 38 foot Morgan, um, sailboat and it's great. I mean, yeah, that was a great deal. I did end up replacing the engine a year later, which, um, you know, was expensive, but.
0: How much does an engine cost? Like for example.
1: Yeah. The whole process of four months on land and, replacing an engine it cost like 17 grand
0: oh man okay yeah so it was rough <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you could like yeah but at this point i mean when you bought the boat and everything ha- now you've been making money on youtube is that you, yeah you you, you succeeded yeah. in your mission yeah so uh, you're I like mean, i'm I not gonna give this up i mean i saw one of your videos has like 13 million views or something
1: yeah yeah the most viewed video is really kicking um but the yeah. You asked about like that first shift of making money. So when I was on the fishing boat and I bought the van, I started filming alternative living spaces. It was six months from that, that I made my first thousand bucks. So it was the first two and a half years of doing YouTube, I basically lost money. Um, and then in Jan- yeah, January, uh, 2017, I think was the first month that i made a thousand bucks and then i just like kept doing it and the channel grew and grew and grew and i was able to pay off all my debt and um and keep traveling and then and now i've got a team um and we all work on the channel so there's three of us that work full-time and then we have other independent contractors that we work with um occasionally whenever Whenever we have the need for it, but it's really great because it, it's actually worked, and I can support myself and other people, um, which is a very great feeling.
0: Dude, what a story, man! <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, the alternative living stuff looks really cool. I mean, it looks like you have like a few different seasons. That was the first thing that really hit, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, was the uh, something that obviously you enjoyed and it's a lifestyle that you've been living, taking on these various modes of travel.
1: Yeah. And when I was in high school, I was like obsessed with tiny houses back in like 2012, um, 2013. And, but I was like, Oh, I don't have 30 grand to build a house, but those things look awesome. That looks like something I'd be way more willing to do than, uh, live in an apartment in a city. Um, and so then when it came to filming the short documentaries, it was like a very natural progression and something I'd already been interested in.
0: Yeah. So yeah, uh, this is a common thing that I hear that uh, if you're going to go the YouTube route, it's usually taking people around two to three years. So just know yeah. that if you're like, I'm going to take off and travel and become a YouTube star or whatever. Well, it's, yeah, it's uh, really hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. How does it feel to be a full blown we'll call you a lifestyle entrepreneur. I mean, in every sense of the word, right? I mean, you're traveling, you're living in a sailboat, you're living the lifestyle you want, and you're also working for yourself, and you've got people you're working with and everything. How's that been for you? Like,
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, with learning how to play the guitar, you felt like an imposter. You know, I get that all the time. Where it's just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is, I am out of my league here, out of my depth. Um, but then you just do it, and uh, I mean with the way that I've designed my life, I've tried to put myself in positions to develop skills that are like multi, I don't know, like they, they go across, they span the gamut of life, right? Like, okay. So maybe sailing a boat doesn't seem like it has uh, skills that translate to all other aspects of life, but really it does. And the main skill that i found really helpful is like, Um, being able to stay calm and not panic and being able to recognize panic and like cut it off before it festers. And so then anytime I'm feeling like an imposter or like not feeling like I can't do something, it's like, okay, let's, let's take a step back and then look at what are we doing right now? What needs to be done right now? Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that. And then like, just like cut the view, like no need to look five years down the line right now. Let's just look at today and get this done and then move on. And then, you know, you have a productive day and then you feel good about yourself and then you keep going and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing as people, people see somebody in their current situation, right. Whether it's me in my situation and they're like, and that's just all they see. They don't see a, all the years before it that leads up to it. I mean, that's standard. That's why this, we success. have this
0: podcast, right? We get to hear yeah. the whole years before it thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: You see their success but you don't um you don't know necessarily everything that went into it. Um and you just take it one thing at a time and keep moving forward and try to, you know, if something starts to become overwhelming, then you break it down into some sort of manageable steps and the acquisition, I guess, of responsibility, the more that you take on and the more that um, life requires of you. um, It really does seem to make life more fulfilling and more worth living. Um, It definitely makes it harder and there's more things to do and there's more pressure. Um, But there's also something really cool about having that responsibility when you take it, you know, as simple as traveling and figuring out what am I going to do for today? You then you figure out what are you going to do today? And then you do it and you're like, wow, I did that. You know, I, I started with no plan. I constructed a plan and then I executed the plan and it worked out and it's great. And I mean, people always feel better about themselves when they're active and doing things. Um, and, and you're, you feel better when you're active and doing things when you've had the responsibility of like constructing it and like really everything that it's like everything I did today wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for me. And that feels really good. And so to be able to have now a company that. Um, supports multiple people and we're in the process of growing and everything like that. Like we're still bootstrapping. It's not like we're, <laughs> we're swimming in the dough. It's like, we're still, um,
0: you guys were out there yeah. at no boo last night. Stop. <laughs> right
1: we're still, we're still, um, getting it all together and ramping up the company. But, um, it's, it's, it's really fulfilling to know that you've created something in that there's something in the world right now, whether that's the videos or the company that would not have been here had I not pushed through and done it. And I'm not saying it's all me because there's a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to do without the help of other people. Um, but it, it's sad. It's really satisfying to see um, your creations or your hard work come to fruition and then be enjoyed by other people or be helpful to other people and create value for
0: other people. Absolutely. I like your take on responsibility. There was a time in my life where I, that was what I didn't want. Right. I'm like, well, I, I want to just enjoy my travels and be out in the world. And I was looking at the responsibilities of having something like this as a burden to like my travel experience. Right. Like I don't want to go, leave like the I want to be able to randomly go off with these people and sleep on the side of a cliff and not and I don't want to have to run back and send an email because like I have a client to deal with or something. So yeah, but I mean, if you're looking at it through that lens, like what you just said that responsibility is a good thing, add more meaning to your life and and all that stuff, there's there is that side of it too. And now that was just where I was at that point and and I've come to embrace it, but I still sometimes can get frustrated with the responsibility right like as a of as course. an entrepreneur as somebody who's creating content like this and doing a lot of other things it's it's just like man can i just disappear for like a month and you can if you set up the right systems and everything of and that's, course, that's yeah. certainly a part of it and that's part of the challenge but it never completely goes away
1: right no definitely not i mean it's it's i mean that's one of the struggles is like how much how much do you want to deal with and then Like, how can you set up your life so that you can have those times in which you can just relax and like decompress because i know for me having done so much solo travel being alone is very important to me like i i need to have time where i'm just by myself uh whatever out in nature just hanging out i just like need my alone time and and so that's yeah it's part of the challenge like how do you now deal with your responsibilities, set it up in a way so that, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't drop everything and you don't, you don't, uh, it doesn't fall apart without you, but it's like, how do I set it up in a way so that I can take this break and um, everything keeps running. And so it's a, it's a fun challenge, but it's definitely hard because yeah, there is that aspect of like, well, I mean, everything has trade-offs, right? It's like, well, do you want to have the freedom to be able to travel for, five years at a time, 10 years at a time or whatever, or to be able to construct your own life. Do you want to have that freedom? Well, then you got to trade the, some of the spontaneity that comes with being able to travel without having to work. Like it's just all trade-offs. Everything yeah. has trade-offs.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, if you could look at what you have going on, you could say, well, you can have your cake and eat it too, but that doesn't mean there are no trade-offs That doesn't mean you're not going to walk away with some cake all over your, your clothes or whatever, you know, as far as creating along the way, how has that enhanced your travel experience and how has that maybe taken away from it if it has?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we live in the world of social media, right? Which is, um, double-edged sword. It's really great to be, to have it so that, you know, there's just opportunities that it offers that we're not around. 10 years ago. Um, but then you have, you know, the downside of you're looking at everything through a camera, potentially the enhancement is that one of the enhancements is that like with the way, um, floor works with filming these alternative living spaces is it really forced me into contact with a lot of people. I had to, uh, find somebody interesting to film Um, and then I had to schedule it and then go film them and then edit it and post it. Um, and so I was constantly in contact with new people, um, but all within kind of this similar ethos of living alternatively, building alternatively, trying to build their life in a way that works for them. And so it put me in contact with a lot of different people that looked at life really differently than, than the majority of people that I had met in society before. And so that was a huge benefit. And uh, the like Rolodex of contacts that I've developed because of that is kind of really incredible. And it's, it's, it's allowed me to do things that um, I just wouldn't have been able to do. Like, uh, you know, I, a few years ago I was able to do a week long trip to Norway filming um, for another YouTuber for a business trip. And it's like, I I, I got this. Hello.
0: (laughs) Got to see, you know, you know, I live in Oslo, right?
1: Yeah. 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 That's right. You moved from, uh, Colorado.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry. I missed you here.
1: That I didn't have any time anyway. That was like full booked straight up work, uh, work week. It was one week and it was insane. We, we, did like almost the length of the country in a week it was ridiculous um but but like that opportunity i wouldn't have had and i don't even think we stopped in oslo honestly
0: it's okay i was just giving you (laughs) (laughs)
1: um but like an opportunity like that would not have I, i just wouldn't have had it to um without like creating and working on the road and then also um one of the really great things about interviewing and making these short documentaries is you get to dive into somebody's life and ask them all these different questions that, you know, might seem a bit intrusive on first meeting. It's like, you know, I've known this person for 20 minutes and now I'm asking them really in-depth questions about their background and their history and things like that. And it's perfectly normal because I'm a documentarian, but you know, if we just met in a pub or whatever, and I'm like, so what, you know, what was the real birthplace of this idea and this and that and the other. It's like, you know, it might come across as a bit. I have a a feeling you do
0: that, though. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't do a whole lot of small talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, it's three big things, right? Like when you're creating along the way, you're getting a chance to learn from people you might not have otherwise been able to have a conversation with. Right. Get their perspectives you get to connect with them and you get unique opportunities that you wouldn't have probably otherwise have gotten those are three big advantages i would say i hear you man i think like having conversations like this like i get to learn from you right now and hear your perspectives on life and what you've been through and i mean on the selfer side of the podcast like on the on the service side like i love having these conversations and sharing them cuz i know people get a different value out of it depending on where they're at in life and what they're doing that makes like you, like your videos, you know, it makes you feel really good about what you're putting out into the world. And it's super fulfilling. And then on the selfish side, it's like, wow, I get to talk to really cool people like you and we get to, you know, stay in touch. And we're fortunate that we live in this day and age where like the gatekeepers are kind of gone. Like you can make, you can, you can decide to make a documentary on alternative living spaces and just put it on YouTube and, Bam, there you go. Like you don't need like a production company to hire you and all this other stuff. You can just give yourself permission to do it. And I wanted to give you a shout out because I'm wondering, you're 25 years old. Dude, how did, how did you get the Rolodex reference? Where did the Rolodex reference come <laughs> from, man? <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know.
0: Some of you might be scratching their heads like what? what is a, a Rolodex? It is a circular apparatus a circular apparatus that holds business cards and organizes them in alphabetical order so do you have a rolodex on the boat
1: (laughs) no no i I have a digital one
0: (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you're an old soul man and that's a beautiful thing
1: yeah that's i mean that's something i've gotten since i was like little like 12 type of little so yeah yeah, i
0: agree (laughs) yeah so where are you floating right now man
1: well, actually, right now we're out of the water. The boat's been out of the water for a couple months um, in Tunisia. We're in Monastir, Tunisia, and we pulled the boat out of the water to do some work on it because I might have ran aground in Italy, and uh, so I need to do some fiberglass work on the bottom of the boat.
0: <laughs> Nobody was hurt, thankfully. Nah. nah well, are you on no, the boat no with? Uh, did you just hurt egos? <laughs> do you have travel companion or?
1: Yeah, right now it's uh, me and Jackson. And, uh, Jackson, uh, was one of the people that came out in the very beginning and moved onto the boat with me. It, it, he came out and started traveling with me, um, just before I bought the boat. And then we moved on the boat and, uh, he was out for like four months and then went back to Canada to finish his degree in filmmaking. And then he traveled around North America for, um, like, well, he traveled around, uh, the U S for six months. Cause that's all he was allowed. Being Canadian, but in in a van that he converted himself and was filming for the channel as well, um and then he came back out a few months ago, and it had been a year and a half since I had seen him. and so now we're you know dealing with this whole quarantine situation in Tunisia, and then hopefully within the next month or so, the borders will open and we'll sail to Malta and then go back to Greece.
0: yeah uh, what is your advice for somebody who is listening to this wanting wanting to travel long term in this way? Uh, and just a little bit, maybe unsure, like you talked about a lot of the uncertainty you battled with throughout your trip. I mean, what kind of, yeah, what kind of advice do you share to people that are like, Oh, I'd love to do that. You know, I'm sure you get run into people like that. And yeah, what well, what do you say to those? Yeah, people?
1: I, I think that um, one, it, it comes down to like level of commitment. And then also you have to have an an actual plan of some kind and you don't have to go with the plan that I went with. I would recommend you don't, because if your whole goal is just to travel long-term there's so many easier ways to do it than like creating a production company in a YouTube channel. There's, there's, you know, lots of online businesses that from what I understand are an easier process of setting up. And um, if, if the whole goal is just to travel long-term and support yourself, it's like, Depending on what countries you're traveling in, maybe you only need a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand bucks a month. Sometimes even less, and that amount of income is relatively uh, easy to to develop via these other methods. Whether that's seasonal work, right? Like you could just work for you go to a different country, work for a couple months, and then you've got a couple months worth of Um, extra living income and then by the time that starts dwindling you do some more seasonal work and you can keep it up that way or you develop an online business but the main thing is to have some sort of plan and then to like keep going and then adapt and like if you're doing something online and you're starting a business and you're trying to generate income online, you have to be really honest with yourself and not you have to you know put your own ego aside and be like, okay, you know, maybe I did did it wrong. Maybe, maybe this plan that I'm working with isn't working, and so now now I need to adjust and try a new strategy. The real difficulty, like this, I think is the question that we all struggle with, and I think Is the real difference between like intelligence and wisdom is being able to differentiate when is it that you are just running into a brick wall and you need to adjust course? And when is it that you're um, running into hurdles that you need to overcome that will eventually let up? into that success of whatever you're doing. Telling the difference between that is very difficult, um, but it is possible. And you just have to be like brutally honest with yourself about it.
0: Another part of the learning process, right? Uh, And you'll make the right call sometimes and sometimes you won't and you'll waste time and money. And that's part of the process too. So don't beat yourself up if that happens. I think a good part of the plan uh, as well, you mentioned a plan and, and you kind of exemplify this is just committing right and going on the trip itself like part of the plan can be the trip itself because it's always the case when i talk to people that are traveling like you've been and find a way to keep it going you meet people along the way those opportunities come up along the way that never would have revealed themselves if you weren't on the trip itself so it's scary to think that part of the plan is hidden from view and you don't actually know what it is but it's it, it is there it's there you just don't have any way to grab onto it or know exactly what that means. That is so powerful and exciting. I think about a journey like this.
1: I completely agree, and I think that um, like you don't you want to develop a plan, but you don't necessarily want to stick to it exactly as you developed it the first time. Because whenever you first develop a plan, it's going to be a pretty bad plan, but it's at least a starting place, and then you adjust it as you go. It's like if I was still rolling like dead on with the plan that i created five years ago i'd be nowhere basically it wouldn't have worked. but as you you just have to have something to start moving in the right direction and then you once you start building that momentum then you can adjust and adapt as you're moving and and figure out because as you keep going your values change and your your destination your destination your goals change as you develop as you learn and so you have to be open to that and be willing to accept that. And that's kind of what I mean when you have to be brutally honest with yourself is like just because you made a decision 5 years ago doesn't mean you actually have to do that. Um, you know, 5 years difference is it's a significant difference and you're it's perfectly fine to not, you know, achieve a goal that you set 5 years ago in because now you don't actually want that. You have a different direction you're headed in. Um, but you just have to have something to start you. And that's, yeah, like you said, you just need to at least start the journey. Um, but I, I recommend having some sort of plan, whatever it is, whether that's just I'm going to uh, travel hack. I'm going to get some credit card points. And then I'm going to fly to South America and I'm going to do this trip to Ushua. My whole goal was to go down to Patagonia. I barely entered Patagonia that whole trip. Um, but you know, that was the plan. And then it, it it adjusted as it went.
0: Yeah. And like you said, remember that you're not a static being moving through a linear path. I mean, it, it might be linear in terms of like, Oh, I'm traveling for a year. So this is me going through the world in a year, but like you are not going to be the same person in a year or six months or three weeks, or maybe even after a day or two. I remember my first solo trip, I was like, not like that I wasn't the same person, but I was like, my mind was blown in so many ways that it was just a lot different than things would have been. I think it, travel can really for the right person. I'm not saying you have to go traveling around the world to like, you know, find parts of yourself or whatever, but for the people that need that, and that's something like you feel in your soul, you can align your soul with your physical body and get it moving and then just be open to, to the things that come. And, uh, I I can accelerate change. I mean, that's been my experience. Yeah. What are you most proud of when it comes to all this?
1: That's an interesting question. What am I most proud of? Um, I mean, this is something I, I don't know when I came to this realization, but the idea of like dreaming and setting goals and imagining a future, um, it's a skill. And, um, you can only, you can only dream as big as you're capable of, right? Like when I first started traveling, the biggest thing that I could dream of was like, I'm going to backpack in South America for two years. That, that that was the biggest thing I could think of. And then once I was in the van and whatnot, it actually like everything started working. It's like, well, now what's the biggest thing I could dream of? And it's like, I'm going to move to the Mediterranean and buy a sailboat and live on a sailboat. And it was like, I literally could not think of any bigger dream, any, anything more crazy than that to do. And, and now that I've done that, I have bigger, more abstract dreams that are, but it's like, there's levels. And so um, as you achieve a goal, you can then think and pursue a goal that's bigger than that. But there's, everybody has like their ceiling that they start with, just like learning the instrument or anything. It's like, when you start setting goals, you're not really that good at setting goals, but you have to start with that. And then like, you'll get better at the skill of setting and achieving goals. And so I guess for me, the thing that I'm most proud of is that, um, that I, yeah, I don't really know exactly how to say it, but that I was able to Um, stick to my commitment and make it work in that when I made the commitment to myself of, okay, I am going to move to the Mediterranean and I am going to live on a sailboat that I was able to do that. And I guess, yeah, what I'm most proud of is that now I, I take my word and myself seriously and that I'm able to make commitments and then follow through with it versus before um when i was younger i i might have been a bit more wishy-washy and a bit more um flaky
0: what is one of your next big dreams and can you give us a little taste of something you're thinking about we're not going to hold you to it we know it can change we talked about that but yeah i mean so <laughs>
1: right now um one of the biggest goals is to sail across the atlantic ocean um and so that'll the original plan was to do it this winter because um, that's the the time to sail across the ocean is winter time because of the wind. But now with the whole current situation, it looks like that'll be delayed. Um, one, one year. So I have another year and a half in the Mediterranean,
0: more time to practice.
1: Yeah. More time to practice, which is fine because it was already a bit rushed. Um, which when I moved onto the boat, I was like, I'm going to sail to Greece and then we're going to cross the Atlantic in the same year. Now it's been two years later. It's like, yeah, it's going to take another year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your friends back home must be like, dude, this guy's living life out there. You know, we can listen to this, uh, podcast and hear about all the struggles, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. But the, yeah, the current like commitment is, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a smart one or not, but it's like, I've told myself I'm not going to go back to America unless I sail there.
0: All right. Well, bon voyage, bon voyage, bon voyage, I guess. Crack the champagne bottle on the thing and hit the road. I can't wait to follow your adventures on that. It'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about destinations. We're all travel lovers here. You've must yeah. have seen some pretty great things along the way. Just want to share some highlights.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, if, if you're looking to travel by boat, I mean, Greece is like peak cream of the crop it's amazing is it especially easy in to sail
0: is it like if you're a beginning sailor is it
1: i mean i did i did it with six days experience and um i mean like you said like sometimes you do things and you mess things up and it you spend money you didn't need to spend or whatever it's like i i've just come to the conclusion that anytime i make a mistake and it costs a lot of money it's like that was an expensive lesson and that's just what you gotta do it's like you know, I'd, I'd rather spend the extra money that it costs to do some of these things than to not have done them, right? Like, it's okay if I have wasted, quote unquote, some money in this process of sailing the Mediterranean, because um, it's worth the experience. It's like, you can't actually put a monetary value on like the all the skills and the experience that I'm getting. So um, it, I wouldn't say it's easy. Um, the actual sailing of a boat, the maneuvering of a sailboat is not that difficult. It's everything else that encompasses it. That is, is really hard. Um, being a skipper, basically like man, depending on how you're doing it, managing a crew, managing a route, managing borders, um, laws, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's definitely more than just setting the sails, but sailing an actual boat is not that difficult. Yeah. But I would recommend it if somebody's interested in doing it, I would recommend getting more experience than I had when I started. That being said, um, if I knew like if I knew the difficulties that I would have ran into then that I know now, I don't know that I would have done it. So it's it's almost like the you know, the the bravery of the ignorant is sometimes a real benefit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That whole area around Greece, you're loving.
1: Yeah, Greece is Greece is wonderful. It's really beautiful. Any it's particular really, really islands nice. or, um, like if, if you're traveling to Greece and and you want to get, because um, you know Greece is kind of most famous for Mykonos and Santorini, which are arguably not even Greece. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely within the country, but they're so like different because of tourism that it's not the same as the rest of greece and so if you want but they are beautiful islands i haven't been to santorini but i've been to mykonos um but if you if you want to go to greece and experience an island that is not near as popular as those but is really beautiful go to milos milos island Um, but then other than that the ionian sea on the western side of greece is absolutely gorgeous meteora which is actually the mainland it's in the mainland. It's um, there's these spires of rocks that they have built monasteries on top of. It is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Um, that being said, besides Greece, northern Spain. I don't know if you've been to northern Spain. A little bit, but it is it blew me away when I first, I, I didn't know anything about Spain, but like we we took a van and drove from um, southern Spain. So like Javier, uh, I don't remember all the names of the towns uh the place starts with a b it's a pretty big city on the southern coast but we drove from valencia, there up, maybe valencia yeah. we drove from there up to um into catalonia and then from catalonia drove to the northern coast so we were kind of in the mountain range between spain and france and then up near that northern coast it's like it's it looks like a completely different country it's it's so beautiful um yeah, I, I was not expecting that, and was blown away by Northern Spain. Um, but I mean, there's so many beautiful places, man. Um, what about South, South America? America?
0: I, I, I love South America. I mean, what were what a couple of the uh, spots that you loved there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a soft spot in my heart for Pucón, Chile, and that's yeah. that's where I stayed for a month. Um, did you climb the Villarica and,
0: and see the lava?
1: I did not actually climb Via <laughs> Villarica. Yeah. We climbed um, when I when I got in the van with Alex. That's where I met Alex was in Pucon. We took a van over to Argentina and climbed a mountain called Yaima in Argentina. And then, um, Jeez. but yeah, the, <laughs> that's when I couldn't afford, I think it's like a hundred bucks or something to do the tour up the, uh, Ríco with guides and everything and I couldn't afford it. So I was trying to like do a trade for video and then I just couldn't land the deal. No, so I didn't.
0: I had to go see that. I had to go see like lava that close, you know, it was crazy. Wow. But, uh, Lanine was another one I did on the Argentina side and that was Mm. pretty epic. Um, it's just so, so many great spots down there. Well, so many great spots everywhere.
1: Yeah. The world's beautiful. We live on a really beautiful planet. I mean, there's so many beautiful places even in America, like Colorado's fantastic, but, um, places like, um, Moab, Utah, super beautiful. I mean, Yosemite is amazing. There's a there's a place in Washington, uh, east of Seattle, called um, oh no, I forgot the name. It's a small town. It's like a German town, um, and it's in the mountains, just beyond the mountain range, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so it, it's you know, it's not like you have to it's travel. It's not Bellingham, across.
0: was it? Or Bellingham's no? great, but that's not. I what I'm I've not been of. there, but I've always wanted to go. That's more of like a boulder type place for the
1: nice to uh live in a van in. Yeah um I, I can pull up a ma- map and look for it but um it's not like you have to travel halfway across the world to uh it's called Leavenworth, Washington. Really beautiful spot right in the mountains. But you don't have to travel across the world to visit beautiful places. I mean every every continent has its own gyms.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you think you'll stop traveling at any point soon?
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, when I get back to America, I definitely want to do a period of living in one place for a little while. I don't know how long that will be, whether it's just one year, one season, two years, three years. Feeling, I'm not sure. the itch,
0: feeling the itch to chill a little bit.
1: Yeah. To some degree. That being said, I, I also feel like I'm really getting into the groove of living on a sailboat. I mean, that's another thing with traveling is there's a learning curve to it. And so if you do, um, you know, one month backpacking, it's like by the end of the month, you're just kind of starting to get into the groove of how to do it. And
0: the rhythm Um, of the, of that pacing of life too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I do want to, um, you know, build a home in America. Um, where, but then I, at the moment I'm thinking Joshua tree. That's what I'm thinking. And you have carpentry
0: skills. It sounds like, so you actually want to build something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm not against the idea of buying a home, but I I just don't really see myself not living in something that I haven't I mean I I didn't build the boat, but I've like put a lot into the boat and when it comes to an actual home, I feel like it just makes sense for me to at least be in the process of constructing it. Um but yeah, that's the thought as of right now. But I don't think I'll ever stop traveling. Um you know, I mean, I don't know. we'll see how it goes. I definitely want to have a family at some point. Um, but the way I have thought about it is like, well, you know if I settled down, so to speak, I think I would still at least allocate like three months a year to do some sort of traveling. But I don't know, I'm in the process of still constructing all of uh, the company in the in my life in so that it it works in a way that, um, will provide me the balance that I need. And then also provide me with the excitement and adventure and the, um, value and drive to like, keep on doing it all. So
0: yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Congratulations, man. I've no doubt it'll go great for you. Um, and you know, when it doesn't, you'll probably have a really good attitude about it and learn from it. So you can't, you can't lose, right?
1: There's no bother being a sore sport.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you share your YouTube stuff one more time?
1: Yeah. So if you're interested in seeing things along the line of sailing and adventure, check out youtube.com forward slash Dylan McGaster two, the number two. Um, And that's all sailing stuff, adventure, philosophy type of travel related. And then if you're interested in seeing short documentaries on alternative styles of living, like people living in tiny houses, domes tree houses um earth bags earth ships, all of that kind of stuff check out florb on youtube f l o r b um and then if you want to see photos that i post you can follow me on instagram that's dylan mcgaster
0: cool and uh we will post these links up with the show as well maybe you can shoot me a, a photo or two of yourself uh from uh the boat and the van or whatever you'd like yeah definitely i'm so glad you reached out it was such a pleasure to catch up i hope we can do it in person at some point again yeah definitely i feel like there are more things to explore in, an, in another conversation so definitely. we'll have to have another one soon
1: thanks for having me on it was uh your podcast was like super valuable and helpful to me in the very beginning of like getting all of the real basic logistics different tips and tricks to start traveling and um, it, i mean it was a huge motivation um, for me to like get started in traveling, so I really appreciate you having me on. It's it's kind of like a mini life achievement of being like, yeah, I'm on that podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, that's uh, humbling to hear, and yeah, certainly my pleasure. I- I'm really glad that uh, it helped. You know, I mean, that was the whole Definitely. intention, right? So it's awesome to see the work you're doing and that you're inspiring others maybe with alternative living and all, all the other travel adventures that you're having to, to do the same thing. So thanks, my man. I got, I got to high five it out. I usually only do it in person, but I feel like a little high five there is due. Cool. Thanks, man. we'll, uh, we'll chat soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you, sir.
0: Take care. There you have it. My chat with Dylan had such a blast hanging out with him. Thanks again for your time, Dylan, and thank you for being a part of this community and just being here to hang out with us. You know, one of the things that Dylan mentioned during our chat was putting yourself into position to develop skills that can translate to other aspects of life. And he used a great example about sailing, and this kind of reminded me of of a really a core value that I have, which is this belief that everything you do has value. I mean, I should say most things, right? Sometimes I'm uh, screwing around on my phone or something and and looking at some stupid BuzzFeed article. I'm not sure if that has much value in my life. So I'm trying to cut out those things that really don't have uh, really any value, things that I don't even remember happened the next day or even the next hour. But I'm talking about things like, you know setting everything down and going outside for a walk for an hour. You might think, oh, I'm not being productive. I have stuff to do. But it's like that walk has value. You know, learning a new skill like uh, whatever, crocheting or, you know, building a birdhouse or whatever the case is that you do, you might think, well, this might not be getting me closer to my travel dreams or whatever it is that you're working towards. But, you know, you heard what we talked about in this conversation you can think about it we can think about it for our own lives it's this idea that you don't really know how those things tie in to everything else you do right like the the skills that i might develop from building a birdhouse or maybe just the the peace or the the calmness the serenity that comes out of that process for me might lead to a new insight which uh, might affect you know my business or my life or my relationships with my family and it's all sort of intertwined, right? And this idea of uh, everything, almost everything you're doing, having value, and uh, this ties in with the quote that I will leave you with at the end of the show. Um, but I do think it's important then to think about, you know, be a little discerning uh, about these things. Like, don't necessarily write off things that will have value. And I'm I'm talking uh, to myself here as well, not just to you. You know, I've said it before. I mean, these rants are, are also just me reminding myself uh, and I get to to rant and share it with you. But um, that's one of the big uh, values that this podcast has to my life is to uh, remind myself of my own values. And uh, I think it's uh, important to kind of pay attention to the things that we're putting our time into. And, you know, I, I can pretty intuitively know those things that have value to my life and those that are just uh, a total waste of time. So I'm trying to cut out more of those waste of time things and add more of the good stuff of life into my life. And I hope that uh, this podcast for you is one of those good things in your life i'm really so honored that you're here listening and don't forget to get in touch anytime jason at zero to travel.com is my email i know i think it was the last show i put a listener audio recording on the show i have been asking people to just pick up their smartphone record some audio and send it to me whether you have a question or you just want to introduce yourself or share a tip for the community or whatever just hit record on the app on your phone and send it my way. Jason at travel.com is my email address. I mean, nothing sweeter than hearing the voices of listeners out there. And uh, maybe you'll get on the show here at some point. I also will accept written emails. (laughs) I'd love to hear from listeners. And I do have a shout out to share from one of you in just a moment. Plus, we still have to answer this question. The number one non-directly related to travel skill that I think is important to develop. I'm not even sure if that's grammatically correct, but I think you get my drift anyway. Before we get into that, I do want to say one last quick thank you to HomeExchange.com for supporting today's show. HomeExchange is the number one home exchange platform in the world. Uh, it's a it's a community, really. Uh, this service allows people from all over the world to exchange their homes easily, seamlessly and without any money changing hands. And as the most trusted home exchange community in the world, they offer authentic, responsible, and affordable holiday opportunities for everyone to enjoy. They want to open up the tourism industry by offering something more. You know, staying in paid accommodations is increasingly a little cold, maybe impersonal. I mean, even Airbnbs, it's a lot of people just setting up their home as an airbnb they're not even really living there and home exchange offers a whole new experience you get to stay in real authentic homes you feel as uh, welcomed as guests and they have a guest point system that really revolutionized the home exchange industry basically uh, you can do a classic exchange where you uh, stay in somebody's home at the same time they stay in yours but a lot of times those dates don't match up so you can also exchange with their guest points system. And you do not have to travel thousands of miles to use homeexchange.com. There are 400,000 homes on this platform. So if you want a unique travel experience, I know as independent travelers, as people who like Uh, something different. You're going to love the values of this community and what it has to offer. You can get a one-year membership for $150, but the deal is you don't pay anything until you make your first exchange. So you can sign up for free. You can check it out. All you need to do is register at homeexchange.com, complete your listing, choose your destination, contact members, finalize your exchange, and enjoy your trip. And you get 10% off that annual fee when you make that first exchange by using the promo code 010. 010 is that promo code 10% off just for being a listener of this show. Now, you might not make your first exchange for maybe a few weeks or months. I'm not sure when you're planning your next trip. So make sure you jot that promo code down so you don't forget to use that when you make that exchange. Thanks once again to homeexchange.com for supporting today's show. Now... Let's answer that question we had at the top of the show. Like I said, some of these skills that you develop that are directly related to travel are kind of no-brainers, right? Like learning how to find cheap flights, and you know, using something like Home Exchange uh, to cut down on your accommodation costs if you're traveling long-term. Uh, you know, all of these things are travel skills. You can be like, oh yeah, that's a skill that uh, I can see the ROI. In that skill, I can see the return on investment. If I spend time learning about travel hacking, uh, I see that I'll be able to earn points and then earn a free flight. That is directly related to travel, but there are so many other skills in life, some that you already possess, maybe others that you may want to learn or you're interested in learning or at least getting some knowledge about that can help you travel the world. To build your life around travel, uh, I can rattle off a whole list of things. You can talk about, hey, if I could build a location independent business, that will help me, you know, extend my travels. That's one example, right? That will help me uh, set myself up to work from anywhere. So then I can travel as much as I want. That would just be one example. So, like the skill of building a business. Uh, maybe you're a graphic designer and you have, uh, wanted to travel around, but you work full time or maybe you want to build the skill of becoming a freelancer and figuring out how to freelance so you can travel more. You might want to go live in a van and live your hashtag van life dream, uh, but maybe you can't afford to get it tricked out. So maybe learning how to do that yourself is something that can help you get on the road. So all these things that you could list off, right? But for me, One of the top skills, I'd say the number one skill that we should all learn when it comes to helping build our lives around travel, not only that, but just helping to uh, better our lives, to give us more control over our lives, and that is personal finance, personal finance, learning how to manage your own money, how to stay out of debt or get out of debt, If you are in debt, you know, personal finance obviously impacts your uh, travel because you need money to travel. You know, even if we're getting uh, free accommodations and free flights and things like that, at some point you need to buy something and you need money for that. And, you know, this is bigger than maybe building a business or figuring out how to get a remote job or something like that, because that's part of this. But if you're taking an even Larger bird's eye view, just the subject of personal finance. I never understood, I mean, maybe they do it now, but they didn't go over any of this stuff when I was in school. This is not something they taught me in school, like how to manage credit cards and what it means if you um, charge something and how uh, the interest can pile up and how loans work and, uh, you know, all of these complexities of regular adult life. Adulting. Isn't adulting so much fun? You know, all of these things, they didn't teach me in school, at least. And I had to teach myself. And I'm this is something I'm always still learning, still studying. It's like, you know, nobody comes out of the womb knowing how to, you know, make uh, decent investments in the stock market or, you know, all these things that might make you roll your eyes or, or depending on your interest level. But I do think personal finance as a topic is a very important one for people that really want to build their lives around travel. Not just you know take the occasional trip, but you're like, hey, I want to make travel a big time part of my life. You got to get control of your finances, right? Or at least you know understand what's happening. You know that's a whole other topic that people have podcasts and blogs and um, books and all. Types of things around personal finance, but I just wanted to throw it out there as an idea because it is so money and travel are so interrelated, right? Like, I mean, one of the beauties about traveling is you don't need to be rich to do it. I mean, if you've listened to any of these episodes, the last, you know, hundreds of episodes, you'll hear many, many examples of people that found a way to travel. Uh, without a lot of money or they use certain techniques where they didn't have to spend a lot of money and a lot of that can depend on your comfort level and you know the quality of life you might want to have when when you're living out there on the road and things like that of course you know it goes without saying that there are certain circumstances and people in life that they just this isn't an option for them so I'm definitely speaking from a privileged uh, viewpoint and I think that's I hope that you know that that's always baked into everything I talk about here. So I just wanted to mention that quickly. But personal finance is uh, a topic that if it sounds boring or you uh, just have been avoiding it, get into it. You know, read a couple books, uh, listen to some podcasts, get your head around your own financial situation because that will help you add more travel into your life for sure. So I do think that that is the number one skill that you can't really acquire a skill fully and say you've mastered it right i mean everything you're kind of learning all the time but getting your head around personal finance is is an ongoing thing but if you have not looked into it at all i do think it's something worth exploring and that is my two cents speaking of personal finance i want to give a shout out to somebody in this listening community who must have uh had his head around personal finance because he's retired from Howard. He said, Hi, Jason. I discovered your podcast this spring. and been an avid listener ever since. I enjoy the different perspectives your guests bring to their travel experiences and how you conduct the interviews. I'm retired and now live on Miami Beach. I love to travel though and have never been a travel nomad. I've done more conventional travel for most of my career. I was lucky enough to have five weeks paid vacation, spent all of those weeks traveling. I now volunteer as a walking tour guide for two nonprofit organizations here in Miami Beach. One of them recently restarted doing tours, though attendance has been low. By the way, if you're ever here, I'd love to do a walking tour for you. Thanks, Howard. I'm taking you up on that next time I get to Miami. I'm not sure when that'll be. He said, I have not done any traveling since the pandemic but have taken your advice to explore one's own neighborhood. I'm pretty much addicted to my step counter app. I've walked at least 50,000 steps a day since March and 60,000 since mid July. I do need to step back from that soon pun intended as I'm starting to put too much pressure on myself for no re- no reason. Keep up the good work and stay well How- Howard. Thanks Howard. Uh, man, it was a uh, wonderful to hear from you. Thanks for the subject header to love your podcast. That was very sweet. And, uh, Yeah, sweet email. Congrats on living the retired life in Miami Beach. And it's really cool that you're giving back. Uh, That was one of the things uh, I wanted to pick out of this email. It's just a really cool uh, somebody in this community and many of you out there uh, giving back in some way. You know, now Howard is volunteering to do walking tours uh, for these nonprofit organizations in Miami Beach. So giving back to other travelers that come through his neck of the woods. Very cool thing to do. So anyway, I just wanted to Give you a shout out, Howard, and say congrats and thanks for giving back and thanks for taking the time to drop me a line. And please, 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 if you haven't taken the time to do so, drop me an email, Jason at zero If you're uh, feeling savvy and saucy, go ahead and open that audio app on your phone, record something, and send it over. I love to hear uh, the voices of listeners out there. Okay, let me leave you with a quote that ties back in with what I was talking about earlier. In regards to things having value. And this is a famous quote from a woman named Martha Truly Curtin who said, Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. I'll read it again. Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. That pretty much sums up everything that I said earlier uh, over probably many minutes. She summed it up and was at three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. There you go. Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. There, that can be your golden rule for uh, not feeling guilty about, you know, the things that you're doing that you might feel are a waste of time. There you go. Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And I'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful day. Smile. Take a chance today, my friend. And, uh, you know... Just keep on keeping on. Thank you for being a part of this listening community. I will see you next time. Peace and love. This
1: podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.